Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code. Join me every week as I invite entrepreneurs to share their stories, the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way. Don't be the main bottleneck in your business. Subscribe now. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for listening. I have a special guest today. I'm with the writer, director, producer, and actor, Kellyn Jones. His most recent movie is Six Minutes to Midnight with Eddie Izzard and Judy Dench. And he just finished filming The Almond and the Seahorse with Charlotte Gainsbourg, among other actors. Why is he on my podcast? Well, it happens that Kellyn also co-owns a company called Mad as Birds. And today we're going to focus on Kellyn, the entrepreneur. Hi, Kellyn. Thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Laurent. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, I'm glad we finally made it. <laughs> <laughs> me too. So what do you consider yourself? A producer, an actor, an entrepreneur, or a mix of those? Uh, yeah, I think the phrase they, uh, they sort of uh, bandy around sort of the entertainment industry is multi-hyphenate. <laughs> Uh, which isn't the most glamorous or witty title. Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, 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 they're all branches of the same tree to me. You know, very much like a musician may write songs for other people or produce other albums or do a solo or be part of a band. Sometimes I play drums. Sometimes uh, I can sit in the booth. Sometimes I write songs. Sometimes be, you know, sometimes I like to stand in the spotlight and get all the glory. Um, but I, I guess that they're, they're all branches of the same tree. And that one tree, I guess, would be committing to becoming an actor so young mm. and that kind of um, to push that metaphor, that kind of commitment um, uh, has the branches have been everything from a writer, a producer, a teacher, uh, a workshop leader. Uh, I've taught creative writing. Uh, in schools and prisons. So from that one commitment early on, all these other branches and now film director. So um, uh, it's all uh, a sum of all parts, if, if I could be, but it's, it feels very, very natural to me. And, mm. and in some ways, um, most people, you have to be this multi-hyphenate to be able to get things done and made. It's sort of, you know, like uh, you can, I guess you can sort of uh, pretend to the outside world, oh, I was discovered under a rock and everybody now thinks, you know, what I do is, this is what I do and it's great. But I think mostly we like with any business, you, you're peddling, you're pushing, you're building the boat, you're filling the lake full of water <laughs> and you're yeah. selling it. So yeah, it, and I guess it, it, it has suited me so far 
All right. But that's not an answer to your question. It's a long answer. <laughs> it's fine. Like a politician, because uh, <laughs> I have no answer. I don't want to choose. I don't have a favorite film, a favorite song. I don't have a favorite child. They're <laughs> all. <laughs> <laughs> but what does it mean for you to be an, an entrepreneur? Uh, I guess having some degree of agency, mm. having some degree of um, and control makes you sound like it gives, has a negative connotation, I feel, because, because I believe in collaboration throughout. So actually, uh, it's not a degree of control, but it's a, a, to have a, a firmer grasp of your vision and, and what it needs to be. So I think to be an entrepreneur, it's uh, to be able to engage and get on with as many people as possible to sort of recognize strengths in people and hopefully they recognize those strengths in oneself as well. So to, I guess, to be an entrepreneur is to make things happen. And I think I talked about this before, which is the, an exciting thing. The, the, you know, one of the things that I find lots of things interesting, exciting about my job, but I really like the idea that a blank piece of paper you know, mm. you can have an idea and you can, and a, and a blank piece of paper can turn into a project that turns into jobs, the job creation of dozens, maybe hundreds of people, which can eventually turn into entertainment for, for, for people. And, can be, and then there could be a take home, whether that's just entertainment or there's a message in that story or there's a legacy in that story. But I love, so being an entrepreneur, I guess, is acting the courage or the stupidity, whatever you want to do in equal measures. I think we've got to have that to commit to an idea and to a blank piece of paper and then seeing, doing all you can to uh, let it materialize really. So that's, that's very uh, entrepreneurial, like, yeah. like, like the creation. And I think when we first met, you told me that uh, you sh must have an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, sorry, spirit to uh, to make movies. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know it's very, very hard to make a film because essentially mm. you've got to get people to buy into whatever the idea is, and then literally buy into. You know, it's never you need someone else's money, so they yeah. know that that you will do the thing that you promise you will do. It's like, you know, it's like by asking a bank to, to let you buy a house, but you've got no house to show them. And maybe you've got no plan, you know what I mean? All you've got is a, a, a plans, you know? Mm. Uh, show them, that prove, prove to them or give them confidence that you can do that. So I think you have to have that entrepreneurial spirit to also transcend different departments. You know, it's not, you have to have an understanding of as many departments as possible. You know, many people fill a village, many people move a ship, all those things. And you know, I think Orson Welles said it takes an army to make a film, you know, a painter to paint a painting and a musician to write a song, but it takes an army to make a film. And I guess that's something great because you really do roll into town when you're in production with about a hundred people from technicians to caterers to facilities, mm. painters to all you know all, all the different uh, elements it takes 
So I think you do have to have that sort of entrepreneurial gung-ho positive spirit because it's nigh on impossible to do. And my business partners and I at Madis Birds Films, you know, we really sort of started with nothing. You know, we started with an idea and a script and we've just put our fifth feature film mm. in the can, say. And, um, and yeah, and I guess that cannot happen unless you're working with people with an entrepreneurial spirit, which is, how do I make this happen? Who do yeah. I know? Who can I get to? What are the building blocks that I need? You know, what are the finance pieces, creative pieces? Uh, I can tell you, I, I'll, be, I'll tell you whatever you need to know about how things, how we do it, but it's, it changes project by project. You know, mm. You need those, you know, you need those pieces of the puzzle. You need the idea. I mean, someone was saying the other day, I was, we were deep in conversation, and quite often people who represent, you know, money has all the power, but money comes in quite late down the line, you know, yeah. into a project. And quite often, you know, and you could be talking to people who will sort of feel like they are Caesar with a thumbs up and a thumbs down, whether a project happens or not. Mm. and you know you sort of have to remember that there's a sequence of events and not one is not one trumps the other but there is an order of events and the order is at some point someone had the idea and then someone got behind that idea and it became a script and that script then attracted the attention of you know actors which are probably the most valuable piece of the puzzle mm. because they the audience and the, uh, the the insurance that these people will get their money back. So, and then event, when you get that full package, then the money comes in. And I sort of think it's kind of, it's sort of absurd at the end of it, where you go, well, this film wouldn't happen without, without this. And you go, well, actually it wouldn't happen without all of it, to be honest. Yeah. The chain of events. We, um, I think uh, the last film, the film we've just finished, I was a uh, writer, director, leading man and you know the company that i co-owned and co-founded produced the film so mm. i think I, at one point i felt like should i make the sandwiches <laughs> 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 theme, theme tune, you know uh, all of it but, uh, yeah it's it's interesting because you know when you look at the at the movie when as a spectator you only see like the the, the end product right yeah. You don't realize how much work it is unless you spend some time looking at the credentials and you look at the number of people that are involved in a movie, especially the big blockbusters, is absolutely amazing. And you know, how do you make all these people work together? It's it's something that blows my mind every time. <laughs> yeah. And also that's the the goal is like, like a magic trick. A magician only really wants the, the audience to see the magic trick or feel the magic trick. Yeah. But there's a whole lot of work behind that, which, uh, you know, which you recognize when you peek behind the curtain, shall we say. And uh, um, no, it, it takes, it, it takes a, a whole sort of army sort of to do that. And, and you sort of appreciate it when you start doing it at the same time. You know, it's like what you, sometimes you want to, um, you know, our first film that we made, which was called Set Fire to the Stars, which was sort of about Dylan Thomas' trip to America and Elijah Wood was in it and I played Dylan Thomas. And we really started that film with 
just the script. And we mm. had the script, and it was me and uh, myself and the director, Andy Goddard, and Andy Goddard and I wrote the script together. And our producer, Andy Evans, who is my business partner and a dear friend, he may even pop in with a coffee in a minute, he's next door. But, uh, <laughs> and he's a real entrepreneur, you know, a uh, serial entrepreneur within his sort of industry. And um, there was just the three, you know, there was the three of us and we had this idea and then Elijah Wood attached and we had Griff do the music and it was built. And then the money was raised instead of, 25,000 pound chunks, you know, yeah. so it was like, buy us, you know, mm. so, and so I think Andy raised the money three times over because people promised it and it kept falling out and stuff like that. And that film went on to win whatever awards and released around the world. And, and it's quite funny because I look at it on the internet and it's sort of, uh, the, um, it's very misguiding because it sort of says it only released in one country, but it released all over the place, you know, didn't, you know, it, critically really really well and we're very proud of it but in one way when we talk to people like yourself you you, you could appreciate the endeavor of putting something that together yeah but really you would all you want is an audience to enjoy themselves for 19 mm -hmm. and so not be distracted and not go oh they only made it for half a million quid or oh they only did it in 18 days or oh you know what I mean you know they had to do that I think that's sort of pretend you know that's special interest stuff, that's byproduct. But at the end, you know, what we're all building to, I guess, is that um, unique piece of entertainment uh, at the end of that unique product at the end of it. That's that's our sort of end game. Mm. And then then we could talk to people like yourself over a virtual coffee and say, Whew, it was tough. Or, <laughs> you know, because you want to appreciate that. <laughs> it's um it's it's certainly a ride and i guess i guess for whatever it is and i don't you can tell me when because you this is your, your job is your business and you talk to entrepreneurs from all over the world and if there's common themes that pop up there yeah but i i find that whatever it is i can't walk around a problem for for, for you know i have to go through a problem Mm -hmm. And and I have to deal. And naturally, my my brain or my heart or whatever stupidity or bloody mindedness or whatever it is, um, I, I it's very hard to ignore it and not go through it, mm -hmm. and not try to solve it. Um, and I'm all, and I guess that's that's what I don't know why it's there I don't know why I think or feel like that I'm not a big kind of looking at genealogy and go oh I had a great auntie in the 1800s who didn't know me. I but you know I, that's not my bag I just think I find it like it's just probably how I how I, how I am and yeah. I don't, other entrepreneurs are like that they're just sort of um Yes, there's an ambition to sort of go forward, but also there is a um, an obsessiveness not to turn back and yes. not step aside. Yes, obsession obsession is a is a key characteristics of entrepreneurs exactly. I've been talking to. Yeah, yeah, and you were also talking about the impact. You know, for you, it's creating that entertainment piece because you're only thinking about the audience. Every entrepreneur I talk to, all of them, they mention impact. It's about, you know, that 
that legacy they want to leave behind them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Eddie Izzard, you mentioned earlier, is a, a collaborator and friend of ours and the company. And our last film, Eddie and I wrote together. And Eddie is very entrepreneurial in that sense because Eddie started as a street performer, mm. trying to stop people from walking away, and then ended up as a comedian selling out Madison Square Garden or Hollywood Bowl and and everything else of all these different strands that came from that. Eddie would always say, oh, I, with, with, with the, it's about buzz and then breaking even. And then if you make a bonus, then that's, it make a profit, then that's a bonus. Yeah. And he wasn't talking about money. It's sort of, it's how Eddie visualizes it. It's about creating impact mm -hmm. and making sure that impact uh, it, you know, breaks even whether it's creatively, emotionally, financially, or whatever. And then the other bit you're not in control of. That's in the hands of, of yeah. other, other people. But I, 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 that always, I understood that. You know, it's it's uh, it's the impact which is the word being used there. It's interesting. Mm. Tell us a little bit about your journey towards becoming an entrepreneur, because you could have stayed an actor. But uh, yeah, I mean potentially stayed an actor would uh would i i feel that it just whatever it did it, I, I just gravitated to the other strands to it so i mm. it, i was always thinking of well i'd love to play that character but wouldn't it be great if that person i knew played that character or i'd love to tell that story with that person i just always kept drifting into um being of creating more opportunities and not 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 just being an actor and I, and, and being an actor is a wonderful thing and mm. um, um, whether it was I didn't have the confidence that I could just be an actor but the, but I, in the UK it's very hard to I mean I, I'm a relatively established actor I use the word established you know I, mm -hmm. I have good agents and people offer me jobs and I'm in a, and I turn down stuff, but you know, I don't need to be doing it. But I remember just before we did our first film, I was doing these big TV shows and, and playing characters, sometimes big characters and some sporting characters and stuff like that. And I had a young family and I just remember thinking, this is really busy time. Mm. I can't guarantee it will always be this busy but I need it to be this busy so I can keep my kids through school and a house and a roof of it. So there was a, um, you know, there was a, a, a an, the entrepreneurial drive was to sort of create a more sustainable lifestyle right. as well. You know, a business that could support us financially and creatively. So, uh, I mean, and I did everything I did. I, before then I was teaching, I was you know, workshop leading and teaching acting, working with kids, working with vulnerable children and adults and prisons and stuff like that. So I, I, it was partly drifting, but partly thinking, well, what can I do to sustain, to build a career, to build something that can, I can, that can support me and my family and, and, and the lifestyle we want that is under, underneath the same umbrella off the same branch. So I think I could have stayed an actor. Naturally, I was drifting. And then 
you, I see it now with actors. I mean, actors get paid. You know, British actors have to go to America if they want to, you know, to make some money. They don't, yeah. You know, and, and, and people will say, oh, it's not about money. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's sort of lies that people that perpetuated. And you go, well, then it's not a job or a profession then. And I'm not saying that you have to go there to be rich. I'm saying you have to go there so you can pay the rent or the money. Mm. You know, you, it, it, there's a ruse that people go, oh, it's, it's not about money. And you go, well, that's just trying to control. People will need to eat. You know, I never came from money. I never came from a, a trust fund. I never had that background. That It just wasn't there. That's okay. It's totally fine. So I always need. I always needed to earn a living. Mm. <laughs> it's just, uh, like not earning a living was not an option for me, and and I guess that probably pushed me towards an entrepreneurial sort of um, path within it. Uh, so in some ways, one could have just stayed an actor, but it's a mixture of. Um, and I also did it to reinvigorate my acting career as well, if I was right. in all honesty, because I always felt that um, you know, people get awards for, for, for performances, but mm -hmm. you can only really get, you know, get those performances if the roles are there. You know, if you're getting, you know, you, you can't play you know, uh, you know, whatever, you know, Bob from accounts in a cop show. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and you can be nuanced and you can be watchable and you can add to the thing and that's absolutely right. But, but I, I always felt like uh, I wanted to, like a boxer, contend to see how far I could go. And so I was getting nice parts and there were some quirky parts and there were, showy parts or supportive parts, but I just thought, I, 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 I want a title fight. You know? yeah. I want to I see if I can contend. So there was very much that element to it all. And I always felt I could. I always felt like I was being underserved as an actor in the industry. I was just, mm. I was just sort of um, uh, hired for a couple of things to be either the quirky one or the weird one or to add a bit of light, you know, which were all great things to do, but is that a career? Mm. You know, will that continue to put my kids through college, pay the mortgage? And also I felt I could do more. I, I felt I could push myself on. So, so that, that was very much about taking it up a level as well and saying, well, if the first film doesn't work and uh, then I can all, and I was doing indie stuff and, and indie stuff, very indie stuff that kind of never could get completed or finished and stuff like that, that frustrating kind of um, piecemeal thing that happens in, 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 in. So it was very much about an opportunity to create your own, op, you know, your own to reinvigorate. And, that, and from that moment, I think after that film, I worked with Vin Vendors, Ineshka Holland, I worked with Augusti Villarongo in, in, in a real great Guillaume Gallien, these European auteurs. The other films then sort of started to, to kick off. And then, I, then, then the people who I worked with who knew me from my other stuff were sort of giving, and then I got the BAFTA for mm. so, 
So it was a, it was a little bit like uh, putting your money where your mouth is and creating your own sort of opportunities. So I know that was a kind of long rambling answer, but the truth is, was sort of, um, I I guess in I never felt I could just be the actor I was. I had to do something entrepreneurial to yeah. prove that I had a bigger range, a bigger um, resource, and I I could compete on a bigger canvas. Yeah. You know, entrepreneurship is is a calling, and that's what you're talking about right now. I can feel the drive in you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to talk to you more often. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are there any uh, key milestone in your life that have made you who you are today, or that have transformed you? I grew up in a very. I grew up on the docks in North Wales. My father was a merchant sea and uh, he's still with us, my father, but he, he retired much in Seaman. And uh, he, he was a natural entertainer and always wanted to tell jokes and stories. And, mm. But he was very much a working person in that, you know, he, he, was a, he finished his career as a bosun on the, on, the, on, the, on the ships. And a bosun is kind of your sort of linchpin between the lower deck and the top deck, you know? Right. So, the captains and the officers deal with the bosun, the bosun works with the engineers and the, you know, and all the, the gang of sailors, you know? So it's quite a, it's a, a linchpin character within a mm. ship. So they have to be, you know, it's almost like they have, you know, they have to be the guy that kind of, you know, um, breaks your bones and puts them together again, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, uh, and then my mother was a baker and, that kind of, and very kind of, you know, she's a beautiful lady and, and, and very honest and very um, straight and very caring. And I think those kind of qualities became the, you know, the, the ability to get on with lots of people, but also having a sort of fairness with sort of a good um, foundation. And then as a kid, when acting kind of fell on my lap, I guess I was always drawn to stories, I was always drawn to films, I was always drawn to 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 the to impact that stories and films and TV had and the social glue and I guess I was in, always interested in yeah in that in 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 that product in the world mm. in movies I loved movies as a kid I just loved movies mm. and and ruled by my imagination I see that in my own son now he's ruled by his own imagination I mm. I was and I just spent my time trying to focus it into it I turned it into a job you know. Right. And um, it's like, you know, uh, I, I found my career in the classroom, but it wasn't on the, you know, it wasn't in the textbook. It was looking out the window. I really mm. mean, I'm not romanticizing it. It was, you know, I was dreaming about <laughs> ideas and stories. And, you know, and that's why I was, but, you know, in the classroom, I was kind of not there. And, um, but, but when acting came on, I could communicate. I loved the impact I had on an audience. I felt audiences liked me. I knew that audiences found me entertaining or funny or empathetic, and those qualities were there. And I followed that path. So there was very much like in school. It then once I committed to that, it took me to, I got a place at the Manchester Youth Theatre, which was a, a key place to go. And then at that point, I decided to become an actor. And mm the people who started up the youth theatre who are no longer with us, they sort of saw something in me and championed me. They, they used to call me the Welsh wizard. I lied on my first audition because it wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't really meant to be there. It was someone else's audition. But it, he, wasn't, 
Yeah, he, he wasn't using it. He wasn't using the audition. And I was like, I'll take it. And I went there and I shouted my way through some Shakespeare. And the guy was like, you've got a bloody big voice, he said to me. You're a Welsh wizard. <laughs> he said, do you want to come and join? I said, I'd love to. He said, have you got anything to tell me? I said, yeah, I'm not who you think I am. Um, <laughs> he, and he laughed and he was like, you're in anyway. And, um, and that was a key moment where I met people. I, I, I could see a life in theater. I could see a life in performance. I could see it fitted and suited me. And then I just had to figure out how I could do that coming from where I came from. You know, and then I, and you can only do that with an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. You can. I mean, you, you can only go from, you can only go from where I love where I come from, but to go from there to making movies or wherever I am now, it can only come from a hustle. It can only come from an entrepreneurial drive because the journey is really far. Mm. You know, it's really far, right? I'm going to join the entertainment industry. Brilliant. Who do you know? Nobody. You know, yeah. where is it? The other side of the world. Okay, let's start to figure it out. And you can, and you can only do it by, by going on that journey and meeting certain people on the way who kind of believe in you and support you and give you enough encouragement and, and, and uh, advice and resistance mm. to sort of see if you're, you're made from it. It's like a, Charlie Chaplin sort of story of it um, and it is easier for people who, who, who don't it's funny because it's easier for people who are closer to the industry to drop into it but the journey is so sweet you know mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the journey is so sweet it's like you know those boxers that kind of punch their way out of poverty to become heavyweight mm. champion of the world they um, you know that, that, that journey is what uh, inspires or stokes a fire in all of us. So that was kind of key to me, and and then another, and then I, and then it came very very quickly to me getting into drama school, getting recognition from agents, getting jobs, becoming an actor. Sort of, you know, it, it sort of started to happen. I got a big job very early on, and I did a movie in the Arctic Circle called Shackleton with Kenneth Branagh, and it was like my first, you know, all of a sudden I was working in a pub, and then next minute I was doing this big thing. Yeah. So I knew it could happen quite early on. And then the, there was a bit in my 20s where I, it wasn't happening fast enough. I was feeling a little bit uh, redundant when I wasn't working. I was feeling like I could be of more use to the world, to myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I started to teach. I started to fill those gaps in with working. I had to put my ambition elsewhere and, and sort of channel it through other people and help them find a better way to communicate and uh, find their stories. So I started to do that. And that, that was a mixture of uh, creative outlet uh, and also nourishing outlet so I could feel of use. Also a practical thing because I was at that point I was getting married and I was sort of settling down and I, and I couldn't go and do, I didn't want to go and do the jobs that took me away and I couldn't afford, you know, mm -hmm. I'd been to, on tour for six months and, and lived in the back of a van and ended up on, you know, 
off-Broadway in New York, which was great. And then, so I'd, I'd been on those journeys, but I wanted to not settle. I just wanted to have a bit more security. So at that point, I think, <laughs> I think it was feeling like I was derailing or I was pivoting in a different way. Mm-hmm. But actually those key years where I was sort of a hybrid you know, one minute I was in TV shows one day and then next day I was in a classroom and then the next day I was teaching adults sort of acting class and then I was doing voiceovers and then I was back to teaching and then and then, and then then I'd not do anything but teaching for a few months and then I'd feel like, oh, I've, I've quit. and everybody thought I'd retired, you know, <laughs> and, and quit acting to become something else. Yeah. What I found is those were the key years that I've, that, that gave me the foundation to what we're doing today, which is the ability to, not the ability, but the, 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 the fire in the crucible to um, push this entrepreneurship, to push this sort of producing, to, to, to write these stories, to engage, to build these projects and stuff like that. So mm. in a way, that was my film school. So that's a shotgun answer to kind of getting me to this age where it was the time I thought Everyone, you know, I think everybody's ready to retire you. I think everyone's ready to retire you. Oh, he doesn't, you know, I remember, oh, he, he, he's a theatre actor. And then I started doing film and they were like, oh, he's not, he's, he's no longer, he's turned his back on the theatre. You don't do theatre anymore, you only do film, you know? And then, yeah. and, I, and then I did TV and it's like, oh, he does TV now, he's a TV actor, you know? <laughs> and I would hear these things, I'd go to these, you know, I'd meet people or, or people would say, I was talking, someone was talking about you the other day and they were saying, you don't do this anymore and you don't do that. And I'm like, screw them, what are they talking about? I'm just kind of going in a path. And, and then, oh, I heard you, you, you don't do you know, acting anymore. You're a teacher and you quit to be a teacher. And then I quit to be a writer. And so now the only way to, to quieten that down was to go, I do it all. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I do it all. And I, I, I love it when I go and teach for a day and I love it when I go and make a movie and I love it and stuff like that. And, uh, but I think because people are always trying to kind of um, nail a narrative down mm. um, onto, especially my, I can only talk for my industry. And the fact is, it's, it's, it, it is, uh, it's, it's like a chaotic universe uh, this industry and the moment you start looking for to compartmentalize it or to give it some structure um, you've lost because it's changed into something else mm-hmm. and it's because it's made up of a billion different atoms and ideas it's too it's, it's too elusive you know it's it's made up of too many compartments rogue atoms it's like a hadron collider should you say <laughs> spinning around and the moment you realize, oh, that's what it is, you know, um, it's, it's everything and nothing, then, then you kind of can, can sort of settle into it. And if you've got, I guess, an entrepreneurial spirit, it gives you the confidence to say, well, why not? Mm. Then, then if, you know, because thing, am I making sense here? Do you know yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. It's sort of, uh, um, you know, it has no rules because the rules keep changing. And as soon as you start sort of fixing on them, uh, it's moved on to something else. I guess like the tech, the tech industries are the same. 
Mm-hmm. Just because you say, oh, that's what the tech industry is. Um, it changes and the technology changes, you know? Um, yeah, so- and as an entrepreneur, you need to be flexible. You must be flexible. And that's flexibility you're talking about here. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, What's the uh, legacy you'd like to leave behind you? Just a, a, an impact, I guess. A, an impact. Uh, and if that impact is um, some pieces of entertainment uh, that, that means something to some people, if it's a, whether it's a performance or a story or a moment that they can, you know, uh, I, I, I love writing. Uh, I, 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 I don't ever want to limit myself to, I'm going to make so many films and that's it. I'm not going to like, you know, I, 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 my, I love songwriters who write songs and songs and songs and some albums are amazing and some are okay, but like, I like output from, 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 from artists. And I guess I'm a, uh, I want to be an artist that has output, really, output and outreach. And, and, and maybe the legacy is the people that I work with and what they go on to do. Maybe it, it is the, 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 the work that I do. Maybe it is the work that Madis Burns creates. Maybe it's the jobs. Maybe it's the, you know, who, you know it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big question. And I don't really think about it. Mm. I never think what's my legacy. I just, I just think of that would be a great time in the cinema for somebody, you know. Um, Set Fire to the Stars came out, and the most beautiful one of the one of the beautiful things about that were letters from people who had de- either dealt with alcoholism personally or, or or dealt with alcoholism through someone else by proxy, and they would either stop me in the street or they would write a letter and they'll say. I loved the film, it was really entertaining, or, you know, they enjoyed it, but then they said, I've got to say, it, I was moved, you know, they, they were moved or they could relate or they got something out of that story. And that's like, well, that's the be- most beautiful legacy. Can you entertain as broad a spectrum of people? Can you include a broader spectrum of people in your work? And within that broad spectrum, is there a message out, if there's any messages in there that some people can take on a bit further, a bit deeper, if you can help someone, what better legacy, you know, is that? Mm. You know, what better legacy? E.T. is a global smash hit, you know, is a global yeah. smash hit. But for some people, it helped them deal with their parents' divorce. You know? Right. Yeah. Millions and millions of other people out there it was a beautiful. It was a story about coming of age and finding an alien, and the alien going home. Mm-hmm. But for some people, additionally, it was about dealing with the whole left in the in, in separation, and that's where I'd love to get to. Right, that, and 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 that's what. So, set fire to the stars was like. Yes, I'd love you to go and read Dylan Thomas. I'd love you to enjoy, but love you to enjoy the story. And if there's some Easter eggs that you could take home out of it whether it's relating to the character or relating to your own life or opening the world, then great. You know, when we did the, 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 the Peter Mullinger about the thriller, it was about, you know, this could happen to anyone's violence can exist, can either appear on your doorstep or it can be appear within you. Mm-hmm. One is tested to the limit. What would you do there, but for the grace of whoever go all of us, you know? 
yeah. six minutes to midnight, you know, you might think, oh, it's sort of like a very old, it, you know, it is, we made it like a very old fashioned Hitchcock B movie, but in it, it's about the radicalization of children. It's about the, 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 the time bomb that is, you know, fill children up full of hate, fill them up full of good. You, you, that's what comes out. All seen through the filter of the rise of Nazism in, in, in the 30s. And, and, and they're the, you know, young kids are, are sending letters now. I really enjoyed that film. Parents say, oh, I watched a film and I watched it with my, my, my parent and I watched it with my kids. And these three generations sat and watched it. And so the legacy is, can we tell, you know, interesting, exciting, poignant stories that can work on multiple levels to as many people as possible? Because, so I guess... I'm trying to give you one word answer, <laughs> you know, and I and, and I guess it's it's inclusion. Yeah, beautiful. I think what is the legacy? I think it's inclusion. Mm. Nice. <laughs> See, this is what writing is. You write a lot of words, and then you have to boil it down to something. But you yeah. can't boil it down to something unless you've got all the words out there. I always quote um, Clint Eastwood in uh, Escape from Alcatraz, where the, mm -hmm. the prisoner says to him, uh, how was your childhood? And Clint says, short. <laughs> <laughs> and that one word tells you so much. But, uh, so uh, I think that's the, the, the skill. Can we, can we boil it down to, to that, really? Um, All right. What is it for you? What's, the legacy? What, what's your legacy? I want to... Uh help as many people as I can becoming better through my coaching Be because I believe that a lot of people most people are better than what they think they are but sometimes they can't see it so that's what I want I want to show them the way I can't help but fix but fixing people it's in my blood <laughs> you know? well, that's amazing that's like like well, call it a problem or something to solve that you want yeah, um, yeah. Where, where does that come from that drive what is that it came from, you know, it's interesting that you asked me the question because when I was, uh, I, I launched, before I became a, a coach, I always worked for entrepreneurs. So I was running, I was running companies for others. Mm -hmm. And then when it was time to do something by myself, because I felt it like you, yeah. you know, I thought about, you know, what is it that I really, really enjoy? And deep down inside me, I knew it. I knew this is, it was something around the fact that I've always loved fixing people, mentoring them, coaching. You know, I, I love those haha -ha moments that I can see in people's eyes. I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, every time, every time I see a moment like that. I'm going to tell you a little story, if I, if I may. Sure. Is, um, when, when I was, so when, when the world was, when the industry was retiring me and I was uh, in my 20s and I was about just, just, just getting married and, um, I'm thinking, well, well, I've made a few things and now I'm a teacher, I'm working in the school now. And it was, a, it was quite a, 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 a um, not a tough school because it, it was a beautiful school, but in South East London, it was a school for children with varying needs. Mm. So it was kind of like an isolated caged island in the middle of a very, very impoverished hard up urban front line you know of london okay so right. i would say tough but you know just 
just hard, limited money, limited resources and all that. And one day I turned up to, um, to the school and, and there was a new cohort of kids there, 11 year olds had just arrived and one kid was angry, just got into a fight. Mm-hmm. Angry at the world, hated that they'd, they'd been at this school, really couldn't stand how life had sent him there. And son of, uh, you know, these sort of African immigrant parents who uh, sort of set up in London. And so money was tight, you know, English wasn't their first language, so communication was quite tight to theirs. But so for him, he was like full of frustration anyway. So I, I, I was his drama teacher mm-hmm. for the next five years till he was 16. And in that sort of process, I watched Patrick sort of take on every bit like you. I could see that he was intrigued that I was an actor because I'd still, I still was an actor, you know? Yeah. I'd go off and film and come back. And the kids would see me on TV and I'd turn up on the next day and they'd be like, oh, I saw you on TV. <laughs> You're an idiot, you're an idiot, you're a, you know what I mean? They were like, it was, it was like, you know, what it, the reaction was like, what, what are you doing? I can't believe he punched you or, can't believe, or whatever, you know, like these, the kids are like, so it was really entertaining for them that one of their teachers was a, would, would, would be on television or in a yeah. film and all that kind of thing. So it was, uh, it, so all the way through it and, and, and Patrick sort of was intrigued by it. And then one, he'd say, I want to be an actor. I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be a better actor than you. I'm going to be a better actor than you. And mm-hmm. uh, he rose to every single um, opportunity that uh, I uh, that, that we discovered together: creative writing, um, playing parts in front of the school, playing parts. You know, and, and all the teachers were like, "Oh, he's really good. He's really good." Audition for the National Youth Theatre. Got into the National Youth Theatre. Went to there. Had we had so we had this extraordinary journey. Eventually, that young man got into one of the biggest drama schools in the UK, mm. graduated, has played at the Royal Shakespeare Company, played on Broadway. I've been to see him in the theatre. He's just, I cast him in our last film. So my directorial debut, the film I've just done with Rebel Wilson and Charlotte Gainsbourg and Trini Dirholm, he is in it and he's 27. Wow. Yeah. And... He's extraordinary. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel very, very blessed to go, yeah. wow, I saw, the journey. you know, I was there um, as part of the journey from, I saw this kid from age 11 to then standing there on set, holding his own with A-list Hollywood actors. And I played a small part in that. Mm. I, I, I showed him a door and he'd say, I, you know, he kept saying, it's all you, it's all you, Kelly. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I showed you a door, you smashed right the way through it. And, and that story, thanks for indulging me with it, but it, it's, you know, that story I will carry around forever because however hard a journey, however difficult, however hustle, however, uh, uh, an odyssey it was from from North Wales to working in this industry. Whatever moves and pivots I had to make, that was like climbing Everest. For him, it was like flying to the moon. 
Mm. You know? And so, yeah, it's, it's and, and on the back of what you said, sort of seeing that moment in someone's eyes and going, okay, you, you, you want to see how far you can go, you know, uh, in this direction. Uh, and that was, that, that's been an honor to sort of see that. So, yeah. Yeah. So I can totally relate to that moment. And, and in some ways, that's how we cast our films, because in our films, there's always somebody doing something they've never done before. Mm. Rebel Wilson's first dramatic role. Eddie Izzard as a leading man. Mm. Uh, Elijah Wood as a, an academic, a New York academic. Uh, Gerard Butler not playing the action hero, but playing the sort of psychologically trope. And I don't know whether that's the teacher in me. I don't know whether that's the, I don't know what part of my personality is that, but it's, it's something that I like to see in other people's work and I like to apply in my own work. And it probably comes from the moment that I thought I'm as ambitious for other people as I am for myself. And I'm really ambitious for myself. Is that the one recommendation you would give to uh, other entrepreneurs? To be ambitious. To yeah, be ambitious. but for, for, the, for, for themselves, but also for others. Uh, I, think, I, I think it's good advice. Yeah. Be, do not apologize for your own ambition and drive. But at the same time, be just as ambitious for the people around you because then everybody moves in the same direction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like rugby. You know, rugby is a line, a wall that that you know that if you move together, you win. Yeah. But if you try and run it alone, you're you're smashed off the field. And I think um and so yeah, I would you know it's definitely been something of like you know, the idea of the auteur is crazy. The idea the idea that you know that that It's, it's you and nothing else. Um, but I do think the idea of being as a, you know, ambitious for others as you are for yourself, but make sure you're really ambitious for yourself. You know? Nice. Nice. <laughs> I know. But hey, it beats working for a living wrong. <laughs> I understand. My show, my show is called Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. So have you cracked the code? Have I cracked the code? Um, well, let's, let, let, us, let us figure it out. Let's see, <laughs> let's see if we've cracked it when we get to the end. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. That's it. I think uh, the moment we start to say, I've cracked it, then, then what else? We've got to do something else then, you know? Every day is like a new day of having to figure the next level or the next stage or the next battle or the next challenge. It's mm -hmm. the journey. If it's not about the journey, then, um, you know, we'll never arrive anywhere. I think I always think of that little, that T.S. Eliot line in the little gilding. And I think, I think it is, every man goes on a journey And when they arrive back from that journey, they'll be back where they started. But yeah. they will know the place for the first time. And I go, hmm, that's it. That's it. You may come back to the beginning, but you will be informed by the journey. 
and you will know it for the first time. And, uh, and every great story has that quality. You know, it's a wonderful life, you know? Mm-hmm. you know. Jimmy Stewart has to, you know, he has to be pushed to the end of his life to realize that his, it, it, it really did have a wonderful life. And I guess that's why these stories endure. And, <laughs> and I guess you might hear this all the time. Nobody knows. <laughs> Nobody yep. really, really knows. You get to the land of Oz to meet the great and almighty powerful wizard and it's a sweaty guy hiding behind a curtain. You know? <laughs> Nobody knows. So I think that that has a beauty to it. <laughs> the idea that, that, you know, if we have ambition in others and we do it together, then it, you know, treat it like it's never been done before. Yeah. The journey will be fulfilling and, you know, we might crack something. Amazing conclusion. Last, last question. How can people contact you? Oh, absolutely not. This is just for me and you. <laughs> They can contact me via social media. So you could find, my name is Kelly Jones, C-E-L-Y Jones. There's not many of us. So you can find that on Twitter, on Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, I'll also, uh, Mattersbirds, films.com is uh, our film website um, and uh, yeah it's uh, being a sort of uh, you know my my work is in the public domain so uh, mm. uh, I'm, I'm in full view <laughs> Shall we say? Well, well, I, think... really, I really love your spirit Ron. I really thank you. you your podcast how you see it, the way you're looking at people, because I always say we're in the business of people and I think you're in the business of people. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that, you know, our everything, that's everything. Oh, I'm, I'm flattered. Thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for opening, uh, sharing your journey. Oh, no, no. Listen, listen. I, it, it was a, an absolute pleasure to me. So thanks very much. Great. And thank you all for listening. Before you leave, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep on building outstanding businesses. See you next time. Bye-bye.